Welcome to The Gathering Place with Blessed Is She. I'm Jenna Gizar. And I'm Beth Davis. Pull up a chair and grab a drink. Or you could just keep doing what you're doing. Pull up a chair in your heart. (laughs) Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hi, Jenna. Hi, Beth. So good to see you, my friend. It's been too long. Tell me about it. Since last week when we recorded together. (laughs) That's right. Jenna, I'm excited (laughs) to introduce Sister Anya's Day. Welcome, sister. Thank you so much, Beth. It's a delight to be with you. I mean, it's a delight for me. I'm just thrilled to see you again because we were together in Ireland. Sister, is she just raving about you? I almost thought I'd be replaced in her best friend category. (laughs) She probably really did. (laughs) Nothing could ever separate the bond that one would instantly recognize between the two of you. Thank you, sister. Okay, so sister, could you tell Jenna (laughs) and all of our friends a little bit about yourself? My name is Sister Anuste. I'm a sister of life. Uh, I entered 12 years ago, and I live in the Bronx, but I grew up in rural Maine. In truth, I am a country girl. I love natural beauty. Uh, I love the stars at night, and uh, I love bringing those loves and a strong sense of community that I really gained um, growing up in rural Maine to the streets of New York City. So it's God's playground here, and it's a great place to be a sister uh, because people are looking for a word, and they're looking for signs of hope. So a lot of fun encounters and just a gift to be consecrated to uh, the charism of life, you know, just revealing the beauty of the human person uh, to to those that God entrusts to us. So, yeah. Sister, I love that you shared on retreat in Ireland a really sweet story about just how God surprised you that your own witness could be so encouraging to just walk the streets and smile at people. I like to call it, yes, being the, uh, the smile and the mystical body of Christ. But I do remember feeling very intimidated. It was my first little mission as a novice, as an episode novice. And I had to commute like 20 blocks through the city streets. I was like, okay, Lord, not into it. He just put the word on my heart. He's like, sister, just, just smile for me. All right, just smile. And I did. I prayed my rosary, walked those 20 blocks, smile at those who had the courage to look at me. And yeah, it was blessed. And yet it was two years later that I was walking down Fifth Avenue, kind of in, in, a, in the same neighborhood. But this is two years later, and this stint only lasted three months. And this woman came up to me and she was like, I know you. I mean, and she grabbed me by the shoulders and she was like, looking like we were best friends. And I was like, oh my gosh, tell me, how did we meet? And she's like, sister, we never met. She's like, I saw you walk by my shop every morning Two years ago, I was going through a super hard time, and it brought me to my knees, to the Lord in prayer. It brought me back to the church, and it brought me through a super hard time. So it was like, I was like, whoa, Lord, what you can do with our little yeses. Manhattan became a lot smaller. God's grace became a lot realer, as he wants to be speaking. He wants our lives to be living gospels each day. That's amazing. And it's something we all can do, so I really appreciate you reminding us of that. So sister, I am really jealous because I didn't get to go to Ireland, but I'm curious if you would be willing to share maybe a grace or two that was personal for you from the Ireland retreat. What a privilege it was to be part of it. So the grace is personally, I fell in love with Ireland, with the hearts and souls of Ireland, such beautiful women of grace, fighting the good fight 
and clinging to Christ in a way that was just so edifying and inspiring. I didn't want to leave, but for the grace of obedience, I was so inspired seeing the fruit of what you all are doing and how beautifully you are evangelizing the feminine heart. I talked to a woman from like some obscure place in Europe and she was literally telling me how she drinks this up and you are her community. And I was just praising God that you all exist, that you're uniting the human family. So that was a huge sign of hope for me actually, to know that you all are creating a family of grace throughout the world. And I came home all the more inspired in my own yes, in my own vocation. Uh, serving as a formator here for the community. The last grace was seeing like the magnitude of God's love to hearts willing to receive him. When permission is given, when we give God permission, he changes people's lives. And I think just talking to the women there, wounds that were healed, new places in the heart opened to receiving his love, new courage to give yes to Jesus Christ and just watching Jesus Christ touch all the hearts there. And I think I was just renewed in the power of that, the power of God's love when we give it permission. Praise be to God. Amen. Sister, that reminds me of your founder, Cardinal O'Connor. Isn't that a phrase of his, give God permission? Yes. And he stole it from one of his dear friends, Mother Teresa. When he was ordained a bishop, he was walking back from his ordination after JP2 laid hands on him. And he saw this little figure kind of curled up next to the wall, and he knew instantly who it was. He walked right over. It was Mother Teresa, just humbly crouching near this wall. He shook her hand. She looked him dead in the eyes, and she said, give God permission. Give God permission. And so Cardinal O'Connor often would say that. He would say that to us as sisters. It's powerful. It keeps me saying yes. Yeah, I didn't know that story. Thanks for sharing that. Wow, that's yeah. beautiful. Sister, I'm kicking myself because I never asked you, how did you choose your name? In a nutshell, and maybe just a little backdrop to why do we even choose religious names? And names are powerful. And regardless of whether you're a sister or you're just living the Christian life, come and know what your name means because it really speaks to mission and identity. It can draw you deeper into those things and the grace God has and has invited you to uh, uniquely in your own life. But when I was born, I was born number seven of eight kids. I was born a twin and my father really wanted a daughter named Rachel. So I got that name and I later came to find in my college years that Rachel meant lamb. And I really got into this big lamb spirituality, just grace upon grace about what it meant to follow the Lord humbly, docilely, follow after the good shepherd. It was a huge inroad and inflow of love in my kind of deeper conversion to the Lord. And when I felt called to religious life initially, I knew I was being called uh, to be a living sacrifice. The lamb spirituality really echoed with that. So when it came to discerning a religious name, they speak of religious consecration being a deepening of your baptismal grace, your baptismal consecration in a sense. And I knew that while my father had called me his lamb, Rachel, God the Father was calling me now to be his lamb, a lamb of God. And my full religious name is Marie Agnuste, which means Mary's lamb of God. And so I really knew that 
I was going to be set free to be able to respond in love to this great call of love of the Father and to make of my whole life an offering of love through Our Lady, right? I'm hers and she makes the way so much easier as Mary's lamb. And really the heart of the mystery is the union of those two yeses of Our Lady and Our Lord at the cross, the Annunciation and the cross kind of coming together in that depth of yes that they united there. So I'm just like the little lamb in between Our Lady and Our Lord, I think. I didn't know Rachel meant lamb. What a gift that God always knew. He had called you from the womb, you know? I mean, seriously, Beth, it's crazy. The longer I live, it gets more and more real. It's incredible. Yeah, he knows us from infinity. He chose us from eternity. That's true for each one of us. That's so beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. I'm glad I asked, finally. Well, Beth, it's kind of you to ask. It's a delight to share it, really. Okay, so sister, the first time I talked to you on the phone, it was the first time we'd met, you were introducing yourself, and you said, just as if it was the most natural thing in the world, and I'm more in love with Jesus every day, and I just wanted to like worship the Lord. It was so beautiful that you said that, and I feel that way too. So I would love to hear, how did you fall in love with Jesus? What a privilege to be asked. You know, as all great love stories go... Uh, lots of drama. I mean, I grew up in rural Maine. There really wasn't an abundance of Catholic culture there. My father was a convert to Catholicism, and he didn't convert until 25 years into the marriage. And really, his life was a day-by-day walk towards the Lord. Um, so my mother really was kind of the strong Catholic presence in the home and, and raised us with a sense of faith. But it really wasn't until college that I came to experience it. So when I went to college, I basically was like, okay, I better get to know this God and figure out if I really believe in him. And as soon as I opened the door, gave God permission, so to speak, I fell head over heels in love with God. John Paul II's theology of the body broke open this world that like my life was a gift. I couldn't believe it. Like I had been told every other thing but that. That began this incredible exodus out of all these places of exile and into the covenant relationship with God that I'd been baptized into. Uh, I met other Catholic young adults asking the same questions. Who am I? Who's God? What's my call to love and be loved? And I found answers and I found them in a person, Jesus Christ. I started going to daily mass. It was like, oh my gosh, who knew? That Eucharistic presence just started totally crashing my party. It was so for real. I'm like, he's for real. I did a consecration to Our Lady and it radically changed my life. They speak of Our Lady as Spouse of the Holy Spirit, bam, that's what happened. And Christian friendship, I met amazing, amazing people and uh, was just able to be held in a place of love, answer and ask the deep questions of my heart, and began a life of prayer where I could really live in conversation with God and listen, begin to hear his invitations and summons. So I think when I graduated, I mean, college, I dated some great guys. I also met a lot of beautiful religious. So really kind of looked at both vocations, saw and really came to understand the beauty of both. And I remember graduating from college and the Lord had really brought me to a place of holy indifference. Like even though with everything in my heart, I'm like, I really want to know, I really want to dive into my lifelong vocation. The Lord was like, chill out. Let me just give this to you as a gift when the time is ready which wasn't when I graduated. 
I started working as an ICU nurse in Washington, D.C., and it was crazy. It was a place where I confronted a lot of darkness and pain and human suffering. And again, the seeds of the charism of life in that context grew. They actually exploded. It was one of the hardest years of my life, but in a real way, one of the best in that it tested me and allowed to unfold uh, the, the charism ultimately that I would be called to. And I just remember it was after a code, so we had almost just lost someone. It was crazy. Um, and I remember sitting down at the nurse's station and I was working the night shift, so it's like three in the morning. And I just became aware that there was kind of a new door that the Lord wanted to walk through in my heart. And I just remember going home that night or that morning, sorry, and my roommate, because we were like six Catholic girls living in this little row house in bunk beds, we were having the time of our life. I just remember before I went to bed, I was like, Christine, I think I have a vocation. And she looked me dead in the eye and she's like, Rachel, you're tired, go to bed. And yet when I woke up, honestly, there was a fire in my heart and I just knew I had to talk to someone. So I called the vocations director for the archdiocese. He kind of thought I was crazy, but he called me in, talked to me, and said, okay, here you go. Just go before the Lord and be quiet. Ask to know the deepest desires of your heart and pray for the grace not to be afraid of what comes. So I walked from his office to the crypt church at the, the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception on CUA's campus. And I prayed through the prayers and this unbelievable grace of peace just descended and filled my heart. And all I knew is when I went to receive the Lord in communion, I knew he was inviting me to receive him in a new way. And as I turned to my seat and knelt down, and as I was praying my Thanksgiving, I just heard the clearest, most beautiful, gentle invitation, consecrated life with the Sisters of Life, will you come? And I have to say, I felt like I won the lottery. Like every little molecule in my being exploded with this yes. Like I knew it was what I was made for. It was like every dream come true. And honestly, everything else paled. I threw myself a retirement party and yeah, I followed after this invitation of love that was 12 years ago and it really does get better every day. And I didn't think that was possible, but it is. I gave the Lord everything and yet I have to tell you, I feel like I've given him nothing. He always gives a hundredfold back. When you give him permission and you let him lead you in the ways that he has called you in, you lose nothing. You find yourself, highs, lows, crosses included. Short, long version, there it is. That was the best version. Amazing. <laughs> I was just chatting with someone this week who said that Catholicism is too good to be true. That Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament is too good to be true. It's not too good to be true. It's real. Well, and I mean, honestly, Jenna, I can tell you, I definitely wasn't voted most likely to become a nun. And I would have been the first one to say, like, I'm going to power through life and climb to the top and rock this thing out in all of the ways our, our culture tells us to. And yet I am so grateful. God wrecked my plans and gave me the grace to encounter love and believe in it uh, because it is absolutely for real. He is who he says he is. And when we welcome him in to our hearts, 
and we trust in that love, watch out. He is a person. We can talk to him. We can bring our worries to him, and he cares about those. Every littlest thing, every big thing. It's not too good to be true. I have nothing, and yet I can tell you I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. Sometimes when I slip into sin of like gossip or anger or pride, any of those things, I sometimes think to myself, does this happen in religious communities? Even sister, thinking about you being in a hospital, like that world is very different than what you're doing right now and how you're living your life and the people you speak with every single day. So I'm just curious how that transition was for you, for you to be purified. Listen, Jenna, it's every day. To love, you have to choose for it. You have to fight for it. And as you speak of, yeah, the reality of community life, we live a very strong community life. We recreate together. We do all of our missions together. It's corporate. And absolutely, the intensity of that choosing to be a loyal sister. And that's why we do. We have to live a deep life of prayer. We have to tap into the power of the sacraments. Do we fail and fall? Absolutely. In a sense, the height and depth of love is infinite. And certainly there's plenty of times to say, I'm sorry. And yet, even in that, I can tell you, the sisters that I've flubbed it up the most with (laughs) are the ones that we live in incredible trust and depth of love because of that choice to mutually reconcile. Jesus's love is for real and can not only help us to love each other well, but also draw us back together when we fail and when we fall and we don't reverence our sister. Absolutely, we're on the struggle bus with you. It was a really strong witness, sister, that when you came to Ireland, you didn't come alone. You came with another sister. International travel with a friend is really a true test. (laughs) (laughs) Actually... It's the truth. Even when like there's this screens right in front of you on these planes for international flights. So even Sister Amata and I, since we're traveling together, we're like, well, should we watch the same movie together? But you see this in every vocation too. I mean, I see this in my sister's marriages. I see this for lay people who have committed themselves to in a deep effort of love. Love is a sacrifice. Usually it's in the little things. That's where it starts. That's where it finishes. And we get the grace too. Our Eucharistic Lord... We live a Eucharistic spirituality. So he creates our communion. He creates community. So in a real sense, it's not something we do. It's not something we affect. It's something we welcome. I would say that's true in the grace of any family and family life. It's actually just welcoming the grace that God wants to give and put there. It's stepping back and giving him room, which can take a lot of courage because a lot of times, you know, we love to do it ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. As a mom or as a friend, I find so much that I am so much more kind. I'm so much gentler. I'm so much more like Jesus when I'm drawing closer to Jesus. It never feels like enough if I'm just trying to do it on my own. It Mm. never feels like I'll get there. And the little glimpses of me having peace when I'm like super frustrated or being able to be kind in a situation where I wouldn't normally be. It's only because of the grace of being with the Lord every day or trying to be with the Lord every day. One of my sisters has five boys under the age of nine and she's pregnant. We love talking to each other and strengthening each other. And it's in every vocation, the sacrifices, the frustrations. 
And sometimes we like to talk about taking a miracle minute. And for, I think, a busy mom, she like tells everyone, I'm going to the bathroom. It's like coming out of the boxing ring and just getting a word and letting him fill your tank and bring perspective. The struggle's real, the battle's real. And even just trying to think about the Lord, sometimes it's the best we can do. That's heroic. Good job. I've never had a deep devotion to Mary. Not a proud thing to say, (laughs) but I've been praying through her more often. And I found when I'm really frustrated with things, especially with my children, I just start reciting the Hail Mary, but I wasn't even doing it consciously. Like I wasn't like, pray, Jenna. I just started saying it. It's literally like a life raft. Like I feel like, okay, I'm going to be okay. She did this. She got through this. Mm. I don't know. It's just been really beautiful. I just think the more we're intimate with the Lord, the more easily those things happen. Yeah, I would imagine that what you're saying about living such an intentional community life, just in terms of your daily rhythm Mm. of prayer, really provides like a baseline of grace for your apostolate. As Christians, we got to stick together. And the evil one, the enemy loves to divide. He likes to break up and he loves to break sanctuaries of the family, of Christian community, of marriage, right? All of these beautiful sanctuaries of love and life. And so the best way to guard against that is, yeah, to choose the, yeah, there's sacrifice in it, but it builds a fortress of love. And Christ will build it. He'll build that. The Holy Spirit's about it. Yeah, he's got the edge. Sister, I want to tell you, I just finished an eight-day silent retreat, actually with your community at your beautiful retreat house in Connecticut. I didn't have a ton of expectations, but I did just have a sense that I want to live a more generous, self-giving life. And I find myself being really irritable over ridiculous things. And like, I, I have a prayer life. But I'm, I'm right t- here, Beth. No. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not seeing myself change, mm. even being rooted in the sacraments or even in prayer. And I don't know, there's been sort of a disconnect for me in like how exactly to sacrifice Mm. and to give of myself in love. So I don't know that that's really a question just for anyone else who's like struggling to grow in virtue or discouraged at their lack of growth in love or virtue. Would you have any kind of encouragement or tips to sacrifice and to have a more generous heart? Absolutely. What religious life has taught me more than anything is who I am. I'm God's daughter, but I'm also a broken sinner. And yet, in and through my baptism, I have been grafted to the life of Jesus Christ. Okay, so of that is born possibilities. I'm a sinner, and in the littlest and biggest ways, but I'm also loved. And so, in a sense, as you're struggling, first of all, praise God that you're struggling. That's a really, really good sign. You're trying, you're seeking to to follow the lead of grace and of love. And that, what Jesus tells us, is a narrow road. Second, stop trying. And what you want to do is pause and do the greatest thing that anyone can do. And do what essentially is ours to do, is to remember, oh, wait a second, I can depend on someone. I don't have to do this myself. In fact, God doesn't want it to be that way. In and through my baptism... He took responsibility for me. He forged an eternal covenant. Covenant love is like a forever kind of love. That means if I fall off the wagon, if I screw it up really bad, 
he's still there. All I have to do is say, Father, Abba, help. My hands are dirty. Can you wash me up? To receive God's love is the greatest activity of the human person. It's the greatest thing we can, quote, do. There it is. It's like taking a miracle minute, pausing, and turning ourselves over. Turn it over to Jesus. We need love. We need Jesus Christ. We need a Savior. And guess what? We have one. So yeah, start sending him some heart texts. You might send them to your friend. Send them to Jesus. What's going on in your heart? Be totally real. Start in the present moment. What's the real stuff? that you need Jesus to get into? Is it your worry? Is it your fears? Is it your struggle to love someone? Is it your struggle to even see the good in someone? Just say, hey Jesus, I am struggling to love right now. What do you wanna do about that? I mean, it's honestly that simple. Hey Jesus, all I wanna do right now is self-condemn. I just wanna tell myself I'm a loser. What's your word to me right here? It's actually building this new interior habit of turning to the one, the answer we need the most. I appreciate that because I know that it is that simple. So thanks for the reminder. Actually, Beth, I sympathize. Like it's easy to forget. I think we all struggle with standing in the truth of who we are, you know, God's beloved daughters and remembering that and the inheritance that comes with that. I'm with you and I'll pray for you. Pray for me too. (laughs) You all are incredible witnesses to me of the beauty of lived faith. I just see God's delight actually in you. Thank you, sister. Yeah. Thank you so much, sister. Your wisdom and joy is such a beautiful witness. So thank you. And I'm excited to exercise my smile. I just want to thank you for embodying your charism so well. You've spoken such life into this conversation and into our hearts, and I'm sure into the heart of every person listening. So thank you and bless you. And we will pray for you. Well, thank you, Beth, and thank you, Jenna. You are radiant witnesses of his love. Sister, would you mind closing us in a prayer? Oh, I would love to. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of your love. We thank you that you give yourselves to us entirely in each moment. And in this moment, Lord, we just want to turn our hearts over to you. We want to turn over what most worries us, what most causes us anxiety and fear. Everything that burdens our hearts the most, we just ask for the grace to turn over to you, Jesus. And we ask that you speak your light, your life, your love into these places, that you consume them with your love and you drown each of us, all those listening, Jenna and Beth, in just an ocean of your peace and of your love. You just help us to relax in the gift of love that you offer us in each moment, that it's never if you're loving us, but how. And Blessed Mother, we ask for you to draw us into your immaculate heart and pray for us. As we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sister. Thank you, sister. God bless you. So good to see you. Thanks so much for gathering with us here on the Blessed Is She podcast. Send over all your questions using the Anchor app. We'd love to hear from you. 
Connect with us at blessedishy.net slash community and join us on all your favorite social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I love Twitter. Until next time.